Hello and welcome. Welcome, everyone. To Art Time of the Month presents the top five of 2020. Yes. Yes. Y'all, in the grand tradition of high fidelity, we give you the top five lists. Joe and I have each compiled top five artistic moments of this last year, and we are about to reveal them to you and to each other for the first time right now. Mm-hmm. Now, this was a hard list to compile because 2020 sucked. <laughs> yes. 2020 sucked big donkey balls, but it was also like in flux with so much streaming content. So like all we had was streaming content and books and things that we could access from home, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that? Uh, no, yeah. So it's just like it's – we also – I mean, this is the year where anybody who was privileged enough to do so retreated into art to for comfort. And that was, you know, watching all the movies, watching all the TV shows – music, everything, books, so much of it was just us trying to, uh, using that to cope. And so I think like, yeah, in a, in a year where quote unquote, nothing happened, still there was plenty that like everyone was consuming and got through. So it made it very difficult at, you know, when I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, it made it very difficult to choose what are those like even 15 moments yeah. 15 things yeah, and then to get it so down to five there really yeah. was so much to sift through and then you forgot how much there was too because you feel like you've been standing still for 10 months you know yeah and so it's rough but at the end of the day we are so 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 grateful that art has really gotten all of us through this period of quarantine and self um isolation because you know, because of COVID and this unprecedented time. And, you know, so we'd like to remind our governments and our funding that when, you know, when arts are on the chopping block, once again, we want to remember this time and remember that artists really got us through this. So thank you to all of the writers and the television producers and the people who have gone above and beyond to bring us so much streaming content during this time, because holy shit, we've needed it. Mm-hmm. Holy, holy shit. All right. So top five lists. Also, this is like my favorite thing that we do all year. So um, do you want to discuss methodology? Sure. Well, I, it's like I, cause I know I want, <laughs> so my methodology for the list was, um, well, first of all, they, we, I was like getting ready to cheat and to do like themes. <laughs> To just have a list of five different themes and then sub underneath all those themes, ten things. And so Wendy was like, no, get specific, girl. And I'm like, okay. So with that being said, my my list only has one theme, which I thought, which is like, cannot be, it has to be that theme. And then everything else were five, uh, four other specific moments. I also did a ranking. as well okay. so mine are kind of in no particular order okay they are five specific things and then i also have three honorable mentions which we will discuss after we cover our top fives um so our three honorable mentions i have one of those as a category 
Got it. Okay, cool. So then I did four specific things, and the number one thing is an overarching theme, but okay. I I did do them in a rank order. And then my cool. other methodology for this was like, was it something specific that kind of inspired or led me to do other things? Or, you know, was it was it not, if, if only for this, that it, you know, also like spiraled out into other stuff. So. Interesting. Hmm. You'll see when I get to okay, it. I'm, I'm really excited. Are you excited? I'm very excited. Okay, now my question to you is, do you think that we have any of the same moments? This is very difficult. I don't know. I, I honestly either. don't know. And I, I would be very surprised either way. Like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to guess that we have at least one overlapping. Maybe in the, like, honorable three honorable mentions. Yeah. I'm going to, maybe they overlap in any of the top five or honorable mentions, whatever it is. But I, I'd say we have at least one that might overlap. Okay. Okay. All right. <laughs> Would first? you like to go first? I mean, I will. Are you asking me to? I totally will. Okay. Thanks. With my arm. Yeah, go okay. for it. Okay, my number one in no particular order. In no particular order, okay. In no particular order, one artistic highlight for me was Neve Shulman on Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> like real specific. Like Okay. First of all, I wanna say that I was not mad at the season. The whole season mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. good. Um, I think they booted Carol Baskin off real early. Good. Got that out of the way. So we didn't have a whole season of crazy. There was no Bobby Bones season. There was no Sean Spicer season. We got that out of the way. Um, yeah. But Neve Shulman on the dance floor, when I think of things that like really made me happy every week, first of all, Dancing with the Stars made me happy this year in a way that it never had before because it was like competitive art that we were seeing uh, mm-hmm. Live and that that was lovely. Even though I hated Tyra Banks on that show, but yes, <laughs> Neve Shulman coming into that competition as like a kind of unknown and leaving such an elegant and refined dancer with legitimate mm-hmm. skills, like legitimate fucking ballroom skills. That was a legit joy to see every single week. I really looked forward to seeing him dance. Absolutely. Hundred percent agree. Okay. Um, mine is in least to highest. Exactly, I'm going from five to one. So my number five is um, J Lo and Shakira at the Super Bowl. That's our overlapping. I have that too. (laughs) (laughs) I wanted to start there. Um, I wanted to start there because. The thing with J-Lo and Shakira at the Super Bowl, it was like the last big public event. I mean, other than the Oscars, but it was like the last kind of like spectacle Mm -hmm. that we had. And also, folks, it was just, it was in 2020. Like (laughs) It was. It was in 2020. It feels like it was five years ago, but it was this year. And Mm -hmm. I remember being like shook by seeing that. Yeah. I put it on my list because I remember watching it and like getting emotional watching it that it was mm-hmm. so hot. And then I remember talking to you about it and us even recording like while we watched it live was <laughs> so fun. 
I can't tell you how many times I've watched it since then, just because yeah. I needed like a, a nice pick me up. Yeah. Like, I mean, it was such a yeah. like beautiful camaraderie too of like what could have been two like divas fighting for a spotlight. Instead, it was like such collaboration and it was such a proud example of Latina women holding each other up. And like, um, it was. And they're so like, they're so, so different. They're so different. Yeah. Yeah. As artists, they're just so different. And it was also like a very like specific message, a specific political and not even political, like a specific humanitarian statement that they were making towards the end. Like it's, yeah, yeah. it was. Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to also include that because, you know, it was, if we were ever going to have like, you know, the, the, the one last thing <laughs> it was going like, to, if this was it, like, you know, that was a pretty, pretty awesome last like live thing to happen. Right. And I mean, in hindsight, there have been some pretty weak halftime shows, you know, yes. and then there have been some really amazing halftime shows, you know, like Gaga blew it up, you know, like, but then that year that Beyonce like shared the stage with like Chris Martin yeah, it was like Chris Martin and Bruno Mars, and yeah, it was so muddled and weird and unfocused. Like there have been years that have felt really like wah wah, and then there have been years that have just been fire. But this year there was so much energy, and it was yeah. This is a hard one to top, you know. Yeah, great. Okay. <sighs> okay. Um. Well, I mean, that was my that was another one on my list too. So do you want to so four? Well, well. So here's the thing. So my number four is Dancing with the Stars overall, not just specifically Neve in Dancing with the Stars, but like Dancing with the Stars overall. So because, like you said, like I I think you said it the best. It's like it. it, This show gave me more joy than it (laughs) than it ever um, had before, and I was not mad at the like no audience format. Like I thought that I thought it was like, okay, like, yeah, we don't get the audience. They're still piping it in. You know, they're adding the tracks later, but they were able to do things with the set and with the scale of the, of the set design and lighting that they had never been able to do before. And everyone was just like, the thing about dancing with the stars is that they are such like, they pride themselves on being like, we not only are they like a quote unquote family show, but they are a family on that show. And you can definitely see, you know, like that they were counting on that more than ever this year, especially with a new host, with this pandemic, everything like that spirit of the show was still able to carry through even during these, even during this specific time. Even through Tyra. Exactly. Even through Tyra, which I, I really hope we get an announcement that she's not coming back. I do too. But I also think that <laughs> it also made for really good conversation. <laughs> that like yes. Every single week we were like, the fuck is she wearing? Every single week it was a, tr- a different train wreck. And it was, um, you know, if, if not for nothing, it was conversation about yeah. how boo boo Tyra was this week. So, yeah. I, I do hope. And then also, like, the Tom weirdest. Not coming back. What was that? Tom Bergeron has said publicly that he's not coming back. Damn it. Well, they better get a new host then. Or they need to get one more person to like play for Tyra to play off of. Yeah, I would agree. Yes. I'm sorry. I cut you off. Like, well, let's bring back Kim Johnson, right? Because she already did. I think we talked about this already. Yeah. 
bring back Kim Johnson. Let's just make it all ladies. Um, we also got like the most bananas bonkers, like uh, pairing couple pairing of like selling sunset girl and Keo. <laughs> oh yeah. Chriselle. Chriselle. Are now a hot, sexy couple. Yeah. And also Sharna is now apparently with Brian Austin Green of 90210. What? Yes, I know. Ah, scandalo. Anyway. Oh. <laughs> so again, yes, if if nothing else, it's like, you know, the Dancing with the Stars. And then like my spiral from dancing was like, you know, at the same time there were all these other shows that were coming back. And, you know, they they were it was good to have television be made again, you know, it with all of the proper precautions and all of that and try to minimize it as much as minimize the like, you know, your brain thinking, oh, why are there like watching, watching um, Price is Right is very interesting now because it's like, you know, four people at a time. So it was good to see that happen and good for the country to see that also as well. But it's nice to have our shows back and dancing was one of those highlights for me of the, of the year. Yes, I would agree. So good. Yeah. All right. So we're so, up two for two really. <laughs> <laughs> so there's two for two. Okay. Uh, so what's your, what's your third one? Okay. Um, my third one, and I don't know if you ever got into this, but I did talk about it on the show is, um, Jeff Gad's online reunited apart. Um, he did this online web series, every single episode raised money for a charity and he raised thousands of dollars doing this. Um, but the format of how he did this and the casts that he was able to reunite was like real, real impressive. Um, but I also just, I think it was maybe the best example this year of how, um, an online zoom format was really used to our advantage, you know, mm-hmm, and the fact mm-hmm. that he was able to reunite people from all over the world, wherever they're at right now in their careers and pause and take a minute to like sit down and have a half hour conversation online about that time you were in Ferris Bueller's Day Off or that time you were in the Goonies. Um, so he just, he reunited like the most amazing casts. He just started a season two with Wayne's World and The Karate Kid. Um, but last season he had Lord of the Rings, Ferris Bueller, Back to the Future, Ghostbusters, Goonies, um, Splash. And um, I think that's it. Uh, is it Ghostbusters? Yeah, there was there was a lot. And the, oh, and then he did um, like a John Hughes moment he did at the end of uh, Ferris Bueller's episode two. So like just the way that he really honors these films that really influenced him growing up was so Mm -hmm. cool. And then to just kind of see these people that were like iconic parts of eighties and nineties, like iconic films, seeing how they've aged, where they're at now. And then those people that played bit parts that you were like, Oh yeah, I forgot they were in that movie. And they're now a part of this zoom. And he really just, like was able to like fanboy out and just like totally geek out over his love of these movies. And, and the fact that it was done over zoom was like, I think the best use of that online format. And I've Mm -hmm. like, I've spent many, like a weekend morning, like sitting down with my bowl of cereal and like watching these episodes back to back because 
again, it was just like joy wherever you can get it, you know? Yeah. So it was really great. Awesome. Yeah. Um, my number three is um, the series of SNL at home episodes. Oh, good one. Yeah. Um, good one. Nice. SNL is my, SNL is my like touchstone of culture. Um, if you, if you know me, if you love me, you have to know that I love, um, I love Saturday Night Live and to see them, um, make this hard pivot <laughs> to do, uh, to do everything all of a sudden at home, uh, scattered across the country, um, as they were, was really, was really, kind of what we, what I needed to see during that time. Um, and, and just to see what they were able to do. And again, like, you know, we, SNL is an institution. Like Mm -hmm. there was SNL during nine 11, there was SNL the day there was anthrax in 30 Rockefeller center. Like SNL has gotten through, um, has been there for a lot of, um, for a lot of moments and, and and has always like walked that fine line of humor and navigating it um, for people. So it was also like oddly enough, like it made me really enjoy Pete Davidson more because he had some really great parody songs uh, during the SNL at home. Yes, he did. Um, it had like you you brought people out like it was just you got to see um, people got to shine in a different way, um, and it was just like in that moment, it was really great. Plus, I mean, like Tom Hanks hosted, hosted quote unquote. Um, Brad so Pitt the came on his Fauci. Brad Pitt came on as Fauci, which was really great because what did Fauci said that he wanted Brad Pitt to play him in a movie, or he said that like, Oh, who would you think would play you in a movie? And I think he yeah. said Brad Pitt. Like and so Jeff said, Oh, Brad Pitt. And then the next yeah. week Brad Pitt was on there. Yeah. Yeah. So like, you know, there were, it was the coordination, all of that it took to do that. And then, and then to kind of like set yourself up for this next season of being in person and like forever enshrined in the opening credits of SNL from this season, uh, season 46, I think is them uh, coming back to work and the idea of like, we're returning and coming back home essentially. So, yeah. So I, I really cherish that those specific episodes just because it was, um, it was something that I also needed (laughs) and I'm sure everyone else did too. I mean, I feel like in this year, everything we're listing as a top five was something that we needed and maybe we didn't know Mm -hmm. that we needed until we had it, you know? Um, One of the things that I didn't know that I needed Mm -hmm. was my number four spot, which goes to the crown season four. Oh, okay. Um, I'm giving you some Princess Diana realness. Mm-hmm. Um, I just this season was so flawless, and I I'm constantly floored by the detail, the programming, like the the storyline, but like the historical accuracy of costume and mm-hmm. um, and period pieces. Like it just just incredible work. Um, and the crown is again, like a 10 episode series that, you know, but they're hour long episodes. And so it's, it's a feat to get through, but every single one you were just like in it, you know? Um, and because the season was like the Diana and Charles season, 
Mm-hmm. It just felt so juicy and it felt like it opened up all of that juiciness for like the whole world to kind of re-examine like how scandalous that was at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and for us to know that like, you know, now Charles is married to Camilla, but he was in love with her his entire life. Yeah. His family forced him to marry this teenager, Diana. And like, that was such a mess, you know, but meanwhile, he could have or should have been with Camilla the whole time, but she was also married to you. And like, just all of that backstory, I kind of like eat it up. It's like so juicy. And I love that the crown forces the whole world to do a lot of deep dives into the Royal family line. Mm -hmm. I have learned, I've spent many an hour online going through the whole family tree, figuring out who's, who's the heir apparent who's coming up next. (laughs) It's very important to me now. It is very Mm -hmm. important to me. Um, So yeah, the crown season four this year with a bullet, it meant a lot. And I need that. And and it provides a great context because um, uh, for why Harry and Meghan were all like, "Bye." <laughs> yeah, which we also talked about this year—the fact that they like pieced out from from the uh, from the throne. They were like, "Yeah," because that was also just this year. Just this year, yeah. <laughs> um, and also then like kind of every time a new season of the crown comes out, the producers talk about like where it's going and the next two seasons are going to be with Imelda Staunton as the queen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I die. I cannot wait for. Um, and the producers have said that they believe that the moment where the series ends has already happened in reality. Um, so. Oh, no. So wherever Harry's wherever, wedding, come on, Harry's wedding. It might be, um, or it might be. I'm. I think it's the birth of Prince George. The next, mm. year, you know. Mm. So and she's I, like, it ends with her like holding Prince George. <laughs> I think that that's going to be like where the series ends. Maybe that's okay. my prediction. We'll see. We'll see if I'm right. But crown four, man. Who? Okay. Occupied a lot of my quarantine. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, there was a lot of really great music this year. Um, this is my number four, my number two, but it's my fourth thing. So this is my number two. Um, there's a lot of really great, um, music this year that came out this year. I created a list, uh, I created a playlist of like songs that I discovered while being quarantined. Um, category one. No, this is not my category one. And like, you know, a lot of things, a lot of things could have made this list. Um, We could have had easily the Chromatica album from Lady Gaga, easily Future Nostalgia from Dua Lipa. But I want to talk about the banger of all bangers this year by Megan Thee Stallion and Cardi B. Wop, wet ass pussy. (laughs) Oh my God. That's such a good one. I'm like, so mad uh, on the list. Damn it. Yes. Here's the thing, folks. We have yet to be living. We are yet to have in, in, we have yet to be living in a context where WAP could have happened at the club. Like, safely, yeah. I should yeah. say. So, like, this song already is powerful. Like, <laughs> the idea that this song is so powerful already when we're all, like, dancing in our homes, 
in our bedrooms yeah. in the shower. And, like and the one time you go out to buy groceries and you have it like banging in your car. Yes. Yeah. The one where your windows are rolled down and you're yeah, just like, fun. you know, yeah. I, I don't know how many times I've made my poor boyfriend listen to this song <laughs> and him looking at me and he's like, you know, we're gay. Right. And I'm like, that's not the point. The point yeah. is this song is, is banana sandwich. And so it, this song gave me so much joy. And I feel like we are living in, like there was the world pre WAP and there's the world post WAP and we are living in a post WAP world right now. That's really good. And it was only, it was made, it was made, music video was made during quarantine. Mm-hmm. It was made for like over a hundred thousand dollars was spent just on testing uh, at a time when like people were just starting to explore the idea of testing doing that kind of thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then you have like all of the controversy that came out and the stuff with Ben Shapiro about like how his wife's a doctor and doesn't have a WAP and like that's not something to brag about. And then like and then also like and then like everyone on tiktok doing the wop challenge in front of their like parents and it's just so yeah it was it's It's amazing and i don't trashy at the same time and exactly for that balance like exactly i applaud cardi b and megan the stallion and both of their vaginas and thank you so much for that Yes, I mean, like, because, like, who would have thought that, like, who, like, Cardi B, like, separately on her own, Cardi B had I Like It, Cardi B had Bodak Yellow, and then Megan The Stallion had, like, Savage, which also came out this year, had, um, you know, Hot Girl Summer, like, had had all these tracks. Then you put them together, and you had these two, like, oh, just bananas. So good. <laughs> I'm so mad that wasn't on my list. Oh, <laughs> so 2020 is the year of the wet at pussy, y'all. <laughs> yes. Ugh, good for you. I'm so glad. All right. My number five, or maybe number one, I don't know, um, <laughs> was Mariah Carey's book. <laughs> I thought it was going to be. The meaning of Mariah. It could have been three other things, which I'll mention an honorable mention later. But okay. Mariah Carey's book was up there. I have it on this list because I need to impress upon you, my dear <laughs> If I have not already, <laughs> you just, must know. I need everybody to understand that, like, I'm not the biggest Mariah fan. No, I'm not like, but I am an avid reader. And when I tell you that this memoir was one of the most profound books I read this year, like it was so well done. And Anderson Cooper even talked about it on New Year's Eve when he was interviewing her. He was like, I read this book. It was so well written. It was so profound. It was so deep. Um, And she talks about growing up a biracial mixed kid on Long Island who was poor and like what that meant at a time when there weren't other kids that looked like her or who had her story. Um, when her parents had an interracial marriage two or three years before Virginia V. Loving. Um, and so at the time, like she grew up in scandal and controversy and it just like the way she writes her book, the way she writes about her family, the way she writes about her first marriage, her success, her collaboration, her collaborators, um, was just 
so profound. And she doesn't even really get to the point where she writes about like Nick Cannon or her children. Like it's really about the way she came up, you know, she writes more about her relationship with Derek Jeter than she does about Nick Cannon, you know, but it's so, it's, I just like, as I was reading it, I was like, yes, yes. And like, I'm a girl from Long Island too. So I get that. But it was like, her story was like both familiar to me and also a story that I never knew. And Mm -hmm. it was the way that she chose to put that on the page was just really powerful. And I can't impress upon you enough that it is such a good book. It's such a good audio book. She reads the audio book and sings little interludes in it too. So, I mean, do yourself a favor. The Meaning of Mariah Carey by Mariah Carey. You're welcome. <laughs> that is my top awesome. five. What is your number one? My number one, and this was the theme one that I allowed myself. Okay. Um, I allowed, I, I made an allowance for it, is my number one is all of the drag culture that was all over 2020. Okay. I and thank you. And I, I thank you. I appreciate that. And the reason I why. There were like five seasons of Drag Race that came out in quarantine alone. Exactly. And so I saw this TikTok that came out and it was this queen who was flipping out that like at at the day, the announcement that Drag Race season 13 was going to premiere on New Year's Day. And the idea that like this whole last year of coronavirus can be split up into very various seasons of drag race where it's like you had season 12 coronavirus and lockdown happens and then this happens and then this happens and then all of a sudden season 13 we have a vaccine like that's the we are now keeping time with like okay what is happening and you had five seasons of drag we had season 12 you had all stars you had canada's drag race you had um uh, Holland's Drag Race. Now we're going to have Spain. Like all these different, like specifically from RuPaul. There's a season two of uh, Drag Race UK is coming out in a couple months. So also you had. We are here too. Yeah. Oh, so that's the thing. So it's like, so you had all of the Ru stuff. And then underneath that, at the same time, we had We're Here, which was interrupted by um, coronavirus um, on HBO Max, um, which was like one of the things that like brought HBO Max into the world was We Are Here. Um, you had Dragnificent, which I like begrudgingly watched <laughs> on DLC <laughs> with Bibi Zahara Benet and uh, <laughs> Thorgy Thor. Then you also had Legendary on um, now, not while not a drag show, but also like in that culture of, of brilliant drag and trans artists. You had legendary. We talked in the last episode, Jinx and De La's holiday special. Like there was so much, so much of it was happening this year that like, and, and also I have this great story. This is not my story, but this is a friend's story. They, um, so by my friends, Ricky and Matt, they, uh, had, um, a quarantine pod of like three other people that they committed amongst themselves, you know, to stay isolated. And, you know, they would all like one person would shop for groceries for the whole group and that kind of thing. And so, Mm -hmm. so what they did was that they did this. So that way in person, every uh, Saturday of most of this whole last year, they got together to make it through and watch every season, every episode of drag race. Wow. Um, 
uh, the new drag race and then also like the other drag races that you know the other new drag races that happened and so they're doing that again with this one and like i was just like wow this is just like a way for them to still have this community and it also you know i think about what drag the art form the artists that um that do it like what that means to like you know, how important they are in the story of, like, gay rights and queer liberation and, you know, as people who, you know, exist and help foster community. And so to have this be available on a national level, also to still kind of give us some semblance of that community when we're in a place where we're not, you know, we're not going out, we're not doing this, we're very, we're trying to find ways to still have community we were we were able to have it in the form of us consuming this drag culture mm-hmm. yeah good one yeah, yeah that, was a good one. that was my number one i love that nice all right well those were our top fives of 2020 now we have three honorable mentions each mm-hmm. these are things that almost made our lists almost almost but kind of missed it for you know, because something else bumped it. So for me, I'll just give you all three of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. My first one was the end of Shit's Creek and their Emmy. Uh, mm-hmm. So like really seeing Shit's Creek celebrated so much at the Emmys and also the Emmys and the way that they did that this year. Oh my God. Like real impressive. Um, the second one was Hulu original programming this year. That was my oh, yeah. category mm-hmm. one because Hulu original programming had little fires everywhere. Normal people, Mrs. America, Padma taste the nation, the teacher, all of this stuff. Right. And, or a teacher. Um, and their original programming was just phenomenal. Like hands down, really riveting to watch and just beautifully done. Um, and then my third one that almost made it to the list, like real close was mucho, mucho amor. Uh. (laughs) It almost made it on there. Oh yes. I am so bummed that I did not know anything about Walter Mercado. Yeah. Um, after his death. Yeah, and that movie was like emotional oh. and culturally significant and beautiful. And um, I've watched it like three times. <laughs> I know, and it's so good, right? And I feel yeah. like you learned so much about him from that film, and it was just mm-hmm. really, really good. Awesome. Those are my I need friends. to get like a Walter Mercado cantle. Um, I feel like you should. <laughs> I feel like we should. Um, so we don't overlap on those. Um, Interesting. Okay, I know. So mine- we did overlap twice. We did overlap twice and in ways that were very specific. And so I'm glad that we are, um, I'm glad that we did those. Um, so mine was uh, Parasite Wins Best Picture. Yep. I thought about that too. And I kind of figured that would be on your list. Yeah. I, I, it, it was really like, it, it was definitely going to be on the list, but I was like, no, I, I wanted one thing from like the before time. And my one thing was going to be Shakira and JLo. So uh, Paral- Parasite Wins Best Picture revolutionally you know this was groundbreaking it was a korean film it was and it's also like i bring this up because it's it's coming up at a time when there's controversy right now for um a film an american film called minari 
that stars Stephen Yun of um, Walking Dead fame that takes place in predominantly Korean, but it is about a Korean immigrant family trying to make it in America. So it's an American film with American actors, but because it is being spoken, in, because the, the dialogue is predominantly in Korean, um, it's being um, not it's not being included. It's being only included in the Golden Globes under the like foreign film category. So, and I say this because like, you know, again, Parasite kind of is the groundbreaker. It's the, it was on the vanguard for this. And to have, it shows that there are, there are stories like that, that also live um, right under our own, um, in our own house, so to speak in America. But yeah, Parasite, huge thing. I was, <laughs> and also just like the hubris of us just being like, oh my God, Parasite, Parasite won, racism's over. <laughs> Hollywood is fixed. <laughs> Little did we know. Um, my other two was Andrea Bocelli's Easter Sunday concert in Milan. Fine. <laughs> mainly because of how just like that was kind of the the most emotional like that was a really emotional day like i remember i don't think i told you this but like i had a zoom with my entire family like my cousins and you know their kids and my uncles and aunts from my dad's side and like i was fine until i started to see everybody come on and saw how everyone was like well and healthy and i like just broke down and also you know and also thinking about Andrea Bocelli singing Amazing Grace in an empty piazza <laughs> in Milan. So, you know, again, that was like at the height of like stay home, the the stay home rhetoric of that time. And then the last one, also really gay. Um, and this one was just an impactful moment, but it did not get included in the list, was um, Sondheim's 90th birthday celebration all via Zoom. Yeah. Um, because you can tell the people who like, you know, were pretty zoom savvy <laughs> and you can uh-huh. tell the people <laughs> who are like, you know, I'm not going to wear, I'm not going to put a microphone in and, um, yeah. you know, cause they had like Sutton Foster had like camera work and then yeah. Mandy Patinkin was like in a park with his dog. <laughs> outside. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, it was just nice to also see, you know, those people have, have an excuse to, you know, sing again. And um, for me to hear a different interpretation of certain songs. But yeah, it was just, it was really, um, it was definitely a moment where I'm just like, oh my God, I'm so happy. Like, this fills up my little gay heart and yeah. um, I can't wait to uh, be in a theater once more. Oh God, I miss theater so much. It aches, but I got it, you know. It's those things, it's those moments that have kind of just been like lifting us up throughout all of this. And so cheers to another year, bro. Yeah. Cheers top to fives. it. Top fives really are top eights this year, but really. Yeah. But the five, I think are really good. Like it's a really tight five for both tight of us. Five and then, yeah, they were definitely honorable mentions for sure. I mean, I've said it before, but this is my favorite thing that we do every year. I I mean, I don't think, I think I've thought about this all year. <laughs> I think I thought about it all year. And then like in December, I didn't think about it. So when I actually sat down a couple of days ago to like, think about it, I'm like, oh shit, <laughs> let me, let me go back and 
and figure out what else I did this year. Yeah, I really didn't think about it all year. And then that kind of helped me because when I thought about my top five, they were like very clearly the first things that came to my mind this year. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it felt like it kind of provided this clarity for me. And then, mm-hmm. and then I went back and I kind of like looked through our lists of the past 11 months and I was like, yeah, no, that's pretty right. Yeah. Uh, I don't feel like I missed anything. <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Well, cheers to 2021. Cheers to it. And cheers to you, listener. Cheers to you, our dear, dear sevens. We love you. Thank you for listening to Art Time of 2020. Bye. Bye.